maybe I missed one cue. <laughs> so in all universe, uh, let us make let us make man in our own, in, in our image, which shows that it was a trinitarian work for for God to create man. And there's also the famous verse in, in Genesis that said that the Spirit of God, which is the Holy Spirit, was hovering over the face of the waters. Therefore, we see from the very beginning that the Holy Spirit was involved in the creation. The Holy Spirit was also revealed multiple times in the Old Testament. In Psalm 33, verse 6, it says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of His mouth. So the word of the Lord, obviously this is a poetic, a poetic verse, so it says, The word of the Lord, this is the Son, and the breath of his mouth, this is the Holy Spirit. Also, a very famous verse is in Joel chapter 2, verse 27 to 29. It says the following. This is Old Testament, by the way. We're not talking about the New Testament. It says, Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Also, on my men servant and my maid servant, I will pour out my spirit on those days. So this was a clear prophecy about which day. You guys know? Right? Pentecost. Very good. So you'll find this prophecy in the Old Testament in the book of Joel chapter 2. Another prophecy that speaks about the Holy Spirit is in Isaiah chapter 11. It says, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Who is that? A rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. This is a prophecy about Jesus Christ. And it says that the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. This is obviously, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and it's a very direct prophecy about what happened when Jesus was baptized. If we look at the New Testament, it's a lot more clear. In Luke chapter 1, the angel answered and said to St. Mary, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. So here it is the Father who sends the Holy Spirit upon Virgin Mary and overshadows her to conceive the Word of God. So you can see how the Father's, what the Father's role is, the Holy Spirit's role, and the Son's role. So the Father sent the Holy Spirit to overshadow Saint Mary, Saint Fire, and the Son was incarnate on her. Very important theological note here. We can't say that we can't say that the, the Father died on the cross for us. That is not accurate, right? That's not that's not right. We we can we have to say that the Son died on the cross for us. So we can't mix between the Trinity's roles. Every every uh, person of the Trinity has their roles, and yes, they are one in one God, but they are unique as well. So a good example, as you guys all know, is the Son. 
here is not the sun. You can, you, the sun has, you can see it's round, it's a solar object. So that's one trait of it. You can feel its heat and you can see its rays, right? So there's three aspects of it that are unique, but they are all coming from the same source. At Christ's baptism, the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven and said, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. Which is why the feast of the baptism of Jesus is called the Feast of Theophany, which means the revelation, because it's, it's, it's the feast where we were able to see God, because the Godhead was revealed, was revealed to us in a, in a way that we humans can understand. So we heard the voice of the Father, as you guys know, we saw the Son in the water, and we saw the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove. So the, the, the whole triune God was revealed to us when Christ was baptized. Which is why, back in the day, the two major feasts of the church were actually the Feast of Resurrection and wasn't Christmas, it was the Feast of Theophany, because this was a major event in, um, in the church. It still is to this day, that's why in that feast we celebrate it the exact same way we celebrate Christmas and Easter. It's a, it's a nighttime liturgy and it's a major, major feast. We also see that the Holy Spirit descended as tongues of fire on the day of Pentecost, which was the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel that we spoke about earlier. Now I want to talk to you about the significance of the Holy Spirit in our church, in our daily lives, and the symbols of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. But first, I want to explain to you the Philippi. So the Philippi, some of you have, must have heard of it. Um, it was an addition done by the Catholic Church for the creed, which altered the creed a bit. If you go to the Catholic Mass, or if you go to a Catholic school and you say the creed, you'll hear it. It's very similar to ours, but they added in the sun. So, it says, yes, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who is with the Father and the Son is worshiping the Lord God. Now, we obviously don't, don't agree because of the very clear verse in John chapter 12, verse 26, that says, when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. So some of you might ask a very valid question, is the Catholic Church really that unfamiliar with the Gospel to make such a mistake? So, this is a good question. If you look into it, you'll see that the Church in the West was really struggling with Arianism, which took away the divinity of the Son. So therefore, to stress it, they added that part in the creed. To stress the fact that the Son is divine, the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Son as well because He's equal with the Father. The Eastern churches, including our church, the Oriental churches, obviously refuse that addition because it's a very dangerous one. Um, because if the Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son, it implies that the Spirit is less than the two other persons. It's also not biblical and it distorts the role of each person of the Trinity. Therefore, it's not an accepted dogma in any Orthodox churches. Obviously, what I just said is an oversimplification of the issues in politics at that time, but this, this was the reasoning of the Western Church. You'll see that they had a good intention. They wanted to fight Arianism, 
so they added and the son to stress that um, that the son is divine but with that they, they created something another problem it's kind of like when you try to fix a problem and create another issue sure Or as, uh, or we extinguish him and put him aside. 
spirit of your Father who speaks in you. The Holy Spirit also worked in giving us the Bible that we have today. Second Timothy chapter 3, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So you see, this is what the Holy Spirit does through the scripture. It does, it gives us doctrine, it gives us reproof, it gives us correction, and it gives us instruction in righteousness. St. Peter also said in 2 Peter chapter 1, For prophecy never came by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is power. In Acts chapter 1, Christ tells his disciples, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. If you read the book of Acts, which I highly recommend that you do because we just finished the Feast of the Apostles, you'll see that the Holy Spirit is always working in the book of Acts, whether it is by descending as tongues of fire on the apostles, or when Cornelius' uh, household believed, there's also the time where St. Paul and St. Silas were forbidden by the Spirit to preach in Asia, and instead they were told to go to Macedonia. So the book of Acts, when you read it, you'll see that the Holy Spirit is always present and directing the apostles. The, the biggest indication of the work of the Holy Spirit is really how Christianity spread to the whole world. Logically, if you think about it logically, when we, you know, when we're out in the world, we come to hire someone, we hire the best of the best, right? We're like, okay, if we want to grow this company, I need this person to be qualified and have all these criteria. But Christ, when he chose his apostles, he chose very ignorant people, fishermen, and he chose zealots, outcasts of society, he chose tax collectors, it shows people that actually did not get along at all. And you can read it in the scriptures how much they really disagreed with each other. But the fact that Christianity went throughout the whole world by the preaching of these apostles is nothing but divine. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is present in all the sacraments of the church. And we ask for the Holy Spirit to descend and sanctify the sacraments, to be present in the sacraments. And without Him, we can do nothing and we have access to nothing divine. Because the Holy Spirit's role is in the church, to work in us. The, the, the Son's role is our salvation. And the Father's role is to yeah, as a, as, a, as a redeeming, he's the one that works and sends the Son and the Holy Spirit proceeds from him. Right? That's, that's why when it says the love of God the Father, so God the Father loved us so much that he sent his only begotten Son, and it was by grace that we were saved. And then what does the Holy Spirit do? It gives us gifts, and it makes us in communion with everyone in, in the church. Some of the symbols of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, as you guys know, there's this the dove. So in the Lord's baptism, it says in Matthew chapter 3, he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove 
and aligning upon it. Also oil, and it's clear in the sacrament of the unction and the sick and the holy marion. So anointing with oil was used in the Old Testament for sanctification of the utensils in the tabernacle, and it was also used in the house of God, and it was used to anoint kings as seen in the story of Samuel who anointed Saul and David, so the Lord's Spirit came upon anyone that was anointed. How many of us here were anointed by, by oil? All of us. <laughs> All of us were anointed by oil, which was the chrismation or the seal of the Holy Spirit. Also the Holy Spirit, a symbol of it is fire. This, this appeared on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon, upon the disciples, as we said, like divided tongues of fire, and that we read about in Acts chapter 2. And St. Paul, like I said, teaches us to not quench or not to extinguish the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is also signified as, as water, because the water signifies birth and the, the fruitfulness of life given through the Holy Spirit. Christ taught Nicodemus in John chapter 3 when he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, cannot enter the kingdom of God. Lastly, the Holy Spirit is sometimes symbolized as wind, like I was saying earlier, because we read in Acts chapter 2, it says that suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house. And when Christ breathed into the face of his disciples, again, wind, um, he gave the authority of priesthood. So he breathed, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Which is why, during the ordination, sure, the bishop breathes into the mouth of the priest, and he says, accept the Holy Spirit. The priest responds, I open my mouth and pain. Yes. Um, 
biblically, not that I know of, the divisions, like how the church was going to be divided. If you go to Egypt, apparently there's this uh, there's this door in the monastery that prophesies of them. Nothing biblically, nothing, nothing in the book, nothing in the Bible that I know of at least. Any other questions about the Holy Spirit? Reflections, thoughts. And the one thing I really like is when, when I really looked into it, um, do not extinguish the spirit, or do not, do not quench the spirit. It's almost as if we have a role to play in either accepting the word of God or not. And sometimes we, uh, we go into the whole philosophical thing that if God is all-powerful, why doesn't he just... You know, but God never forces us to, to do anything. And uh, St. Paul really stresses that, that it's, it's in our hands to either work with the Spirit or, or not. Any questions? Thoughts? Okay. Glory be to God. Yeah, right.